Welcome to Imagine This Podcast. A conversation show where we talk to Milwaukee's arts, cultural, and creative leaders to highlight all the incredible transformative work in our region. We hope that after listening to the pod, you will see our region and all the awesome artists, arts organizations, and creative assets in Milwaukee in a new way. I'm David Lee. I'm MacArthur Antigua. And I'm Lindsay Sheridan. Someone has to start. Hey, me and David are playing a game. What's that game? Will Lindsay start the podcast? Oh, that's (laughs) right. Lindsay's not last. Lindsay is Lindsay first. And so we did it. That's right. We did it. Yay. Yay, we did it. Um, Another episode of Imagine This Podcast as we barrel into May. Uh, Welcome aboard. Uh, Later on today's episode, it's a fashionable episode because, you know, not just May flowers, but May looks are coming out. And uh, we'll be spring talking looks. about spring looks. We'll be talking about spring summer looks, spring slash summer looks. I uh, will be having on Ashley Brooks and Donna Rico, both at the fashion department of Mount Mary mm-hmm. University, right, right outside here in Milwaukee. We'll, we're going to have them after the banter. But first, the banter, David and Lindsay. Let's talk about fashion <laughs> or lack we, thereof. I was going to say, if we had the money, we would inject David Bowie's fashion as a bumper, you know? But we don't. We don't have the clearance yeah, for that. Such so. a great song. So just imagine your has listener David Bowie's fashion playing and fade back. That's right. Fashion. That's right. It's fashion talk sub pod mm-hmm. in honor of Ashley and and uh, Donna being on the on thing. So I think Ashley and Donna your... would start that 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 podcast with us. Fashion talk. Imagine fashion. Let's not call it fashion talk. <laughs> but if we do, let's spell it T A W K T A W talk. Fashion talk. Um. So. So tell us about fashion. How does it, so do you consider yourself fashionable, Lindsay and David? No, I don't. I don't consider myself fashionable. Oh, oh. <laughs> Is this, are you fishing for compliments, Lindsay? Lindsay's fishing. No. <laughs> I, uh, I don't think I have a unique sense of fashion. It's something I'd like to develop. I think that, uh, I wear whatever Nordstrom Rack or Loft or uh, Ann Taylor have to offer (laughs) that I haven't necessarily kind of established like a personal sense of fashion. I don't know what that would look like. Perhaps I need a fashion consultant or something. So how how did you, so I guess, how did you get to the place of, of wearing the clothes or choosing the clothes that you like? Is it just that, you know, at the mall, Loft says, young professional women should look like this. And you're like, I guess I need these, these. Um, Well, I think I've had a nerdy sense of fashion my whole life. I have this picture of me on like the first day of kindergarten where I'm wearing like a, like basically (laughs) like a, like a plum colored skirt suit, like as a kindergartner, I have this little (laughs) jacket with like a matching, (laughs) with a matching skirt. And I don't know that I've changed that much from that, honestly. And, and I think I remember though, who really knows if it's just projecting from looking at the photo. I think I remember feeling like I looked good <laughs> and I still kind of wear those kind of clothes. Like, I, you know, I, a lot of, a lot of like dresses and I don't know, some version of what a professional woman should look like, I guess. <laughs> but, you guys have often like made fun of me as like a, a, a person who sort of sprang into this world fully formed. I think that's actually you came out of the womb in a tan suit. Yeah. You came out of the womb in a tan suit. <laughs> that seems to, to describe you though, right? Like uh, as well. Yeah, can't deny that. Yeah. 
that's right. I was I was showing up to kindergarten ready to ready to command and boss the class. <laughs> <laughs> she stood in front by the flip. She brought her own easel and flip chart and started just charting and started just letting people know. You will sit over there, Cindy. Thomas, get your finger out of your nose and get focused on your numbers. Have you guys taken the strengths <laughs> strengths finder yeah, yet? What's your what's your uh, thirty four guys? What's your what's your strength? <laughs> yes, I would I would like watch that cartoon like you know Lindsay Sheridan uh, Gallup Strengths Finder consultant in the in the curtain area class that would be great in her in her pants young suit. Sheridan are we young are we Sheridan be, young, Joe young, young Sheridan young Sheridan I was gonna pitch it pitch young Sheridan young Lindsay comes young to. Lindsay. Comes to class with a uh, with Gallup Strengths Finder and a plum <laughs> skirt suit. A plum skirt suit. Very smart. I'll find the photo. It can go in the. Very savvy. How about you, David? Do you consider yourself fashionable? Fashionable? No, I mean, I I think I get out. Like same same as same as. Lindsay. Do you have cufflinks, like... David? Do you have cufflinks? I do have cufflinks. You're fashionable. You're fashionable. <laughs> ask, ask me if I have cufflinks. Do you have cufflinks, Mac? I, I the ones that I was married in. That's all I have. <laughs> that you had to return to Men's Warehouse. No, no, those he are mine. Them. Those are mine. Them. I bought them. <laughs> I bought them. And they were they were switches that were off and on. Mm. Right? Like a little little like yeah. a switch off and on. Yeah. And the story behind that was my best man got that for me because we liked playing craps. We still do at the casino. <laughs> and that was a term. Getting off the come and on the come, you know, that was off and on. Mm. Uh, my the the degenerate gamblers, all two of you that listen to this podcast, you're all nodding going, that's my guy. 98% of you don't even know what I'm talking about. So there you go. So yes, I don't have couplings. Therefore, there it is. Just I'm so glad this is an audio podcast, my... David. So I'm glad that you showed it to me. The yeah, the they are just a pair of couplings on my desk. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that having couplings makes one fashionable. Um, I, I certainly have like, um, I have basically two modes of fashion, right? Wearing like a like t-shirt and jeans or a suit. <laughs> like there's not like there's not a whole lot of variety, right? I think in the same way that 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 Lindsay just shared. I think. If there's one kind of area of my wardrobe that is maybe a little bit more fashionable and sort of like historically areas where, where I would maybe spend a little bit more time in 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 finding things that 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 I like, they, they'd probably be um, coats. I'm, I'm super interested in in coats uh, like outerwear. Um, and this uh, this is sort of a. I don't know true. why I, I don't know how it started. Just like I think after college, like I I found it. I found this incredibly beautiful silver car length duster coat, um, and um, everywhere I went, right, people were like, "Ah, oh, that's a nice coat." Um, and then it sort of fell apart over the years, and and now I have a, a, a um, to replace that coat. I have like a, a brown riding coat that's you know really nicely fitted through the torso and sort of flares out a little bit towards the um below the waist um i can think of coats but everyday wear not super fashionable mm. how about you mac um no i i don't think i would say i'm super fashionable but as I get older, I've come to understand that what fashion means to you is like, just what do you feel most comfortable in? Um, and so I think I'm getting, as I'm getting a better sense of who I am, it ref I feel more confident in it. So I think, yes, I am getting more fashionable, or at least I feel more fashionable in the choices I make. If you were to ask me, Mac, what are your choices? I would say, or what, what, would, what would be like, how would you describe how you prefer to dress? I would say um, NBA player wearing street clothes on bench. That's probably what I would like to wear. Like my favorite outfit right now is camouflage joggers 
and some sort of athletic fitting top and like some nice hoodie sweatshirt. And then unfortunately I'm not, I'm not six foot seven and make that look super cool. I'm five, nine. So it's less, <laughs> it's just like, Oh, that guy just looks super comfortable, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I like, I like like kind of interesting colors and, and things. And I, although I think, I think I like to dress, like if I have to dress up, I like a blazer. I don't like wearing ties because it constricts my neck because I got a chubby neck. I don't know if it's, it feels constricting when I, when I wear a tie. So I'd rather not wear a tie and get away with like a cool pocket square or an interesting print. And then, and then I, I really love that now there are more like suits that use like athletic wear fabrics. Cause then like, like working, like, like when I say working, like in front of room, riding on flip charts or, or moving from place to place, it can feel really constricting. But if I'm wearing something that actually feels like it moves with me, yeah. I really like that. So I'm, I'm really grateful that that sort of evolved. There's more of those, or maybe those are the Instagram ads that find me. <laughs> They're just like, wear this suit, which is actually made out of like spandex. So, you, so have you, both of you been in the, the athleisure suits, athleisure formal wear? Like the, the the formal wear that's made of like stretchy material. I've I've started to buy more of it. Wow, mm, it, it, I don't it, know that it exactly exists for women. I have jackets that are not structured, as structured that are like softer material but still look like a jacket. Kind of like Max talking about, I think. Yeah. No, I'm not wearing a tracksuit. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. It looks no, like if you look I've from seen, a distance, you're like it yeah. looks like a suit. I've seen the same ads, close, and I'm just, feels... I, I'm just, I, I think I have some curiosity about, like, as somebody who has like a, a closet full of wool suits, I'm sort of like, that seems amazing, but it also feels. <laughs> well, it also, I wonder if it's a reflection of, like, how has the pandemic influenced yeah. fashion? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, suddenly we all maybe demand more comfort because we've been able to be at home and be in the most comfortable clothes we can find, you know, it just right. doesn't matter in the same way anymore. And even as people are going back out in the world, I think about how norms have changed. I don't have like a depth of, I don't have a think piece in me about this, but I think about like, I, uh, I have a friend who, you know, goes to work every day at a major university and just wears yoga pants and no one cares. Like yeah. this is the, you know, the norm she, that coming back from the pandemic that I guess she set for herself and, just standards are probably are, are different now, I think. Like if I have shoes, <laughs> that's a premise. If I have shoes, when I wear, sh when I wear What's shoes- What's wrong with you? You have shoes? <laughs> I, well, I'm like Fred Flintstone. My toes are like really big and it helps move my car. So no, I mean, when when I wear shoes, like for, for, for work, <laughs> you know, like work functions, I'm hoping it looks more like a sneaker than kind of like the classic sort of loafer or like the lace up. Like I'm looking for like a loafer late, like a loafer that looks more like an athletic shoe. And they're making more of those now, which, which in turn, I think creates the permission for like, well, you can wear this. Like, it's not totally, it's not totally off to, to Lindsay's point. It's not totally crazy. And so like, I saw like a classic loafer. I'm like, I don't want to wear that. It just, not only is it not comfortable to me, it just feels stuffy to me. Like, it just feels like, eh, I don't know, but that's me. I don't like I don't, I think that women have much less good options in work yes. shoes. Yes. <laughs> and pretty much no work shoes I own are fully comfortable for like a full day of working if I'm walking around like at an event or something. I mean, that's my complaint. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah. those shoes are not, I mean, I, I imagine, Lindsay, when you're talking about that, you're talking about heels, right? I mean, th those shoes are not meant for like walking around or flats. Flats, like the kind of like women, the norm is not for women to wear like, 
you know, lace up shoes with our suits, even if we are wearing a suit, right. You're right. going to wear some flats that like don't have socks aren't actually very comfortable. Right. You know, anyway, I'm not at the stage like Steve jobs or something where I just wear the same outfit every day. I'm not there yet, but I get it. I think that I like the fact there's no decision fatigue and I, I you know, if you had a really good look, why not stick to it every day? I kind of get that. I'm, maybe I'm, as I'm aging up, maybe I'm going to get there. I think that's why, like, I have, like, you know, um, um, like, not a lot of imagination as it relates to, like, what I wear, right? Because it's, like, I have a bunch of suits, a bunch of button-ups, and if it's time to go to work, it's, you know, put on a suit and don't have to think too much about it. But now, sort of to, to your point, Lindsay, about the norms being norms changing, like, I only have like a hand, like a couple pairs of jeans. Like if we're if we're getting more casual, I need to go buy more jeans and like other sorts of things to to, to sort of match the 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 new sort of like out outside workwear that's obviously a little bit more casual. Maybe I need to look into some into some of this stretchy stretchy dress pants world. All this to say, on the range of like fashion as art and fashion as function, I think we all lean much more. Fashion is function. We're more utilitarian on, on our side. Yeah. In our shop. Yeah, that in the shop. Yeah, we're much more. Yeah. So that's why that's why we need to talk to people like Don and Ashley. Right. Uh, <laughs> Thankfully, we're going to talk to both uh, Don and Ashley after the break. A little bit about them. Uh, Ashley Brooks is the chair of the fashion department at Mount Mary University. Uh, prior to that, for 12 years, she led design and art teams for children's, juniors, and women's clothing at Kohl's, a small mom and pop shop called Kohl's. And she also worked with Saks and the VF Corporation. We're also going to talk with Donna Rico, who is an executive fellow at Mount Mary University in the same department. And she's also an alum of Mount Mary University. And you might know her because she started and led her own brand, Donna Rico, New York. And uh, Michelle Obama wore one of her dresses on The View. What's up, Google search? Cool. Help Pretty me learn about him. After the break, let's hang out with Donna and Ashley. And welcome this lovely morning, Donna and Ashley, into our virtual recording space. Here at Imagine This Podcast. You know, they say, imagine imagine this recording venue, imagine this podcast, but we're still, it's all virtual. So welcome, welcome to the space. Thank you. We're glad to be here. Oh, appreciate you both being here on a, on a beautiful November, sorry, May morning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and, and uh, you're, you're, I'm really excited about this conversation because uh, my, my kids remind me all the time that I don't know fashion. So it's fun. It's fun. I'm going to, my hope is for you all both to affirm, no, no you, you do it in your own way and uh, maybe, maybe just not resonating with the, the youth, but, but, some, <laughs> but somewhere in suburban Chicago, there's, there's two people working at a structure and they're high-fiving each other. So uh, that's me. Uh, Lindsay, I'll turn it over to you to get the party started. Well, before we get into yeah. all the incredible work you're you're up to at Mount Mary, and and before we get into where you both got your glasses, which are incredibly fashionable, and <laughs> the thing the thing that I notice on a Zoom call where we can just see part of you, but um, you know, I wanted to I wanted to kind of set the tone for our, for our show and, and invite both of you to reflect back on a time uh, where an arts and culture experience really left a strong imprint on you. Could be yesterday, could be when you were five, anywhere in between. Would love to hear from both of you. Well. I, I could talk a little bit about um, 
my history and how I ended up in fashion, I actually started out in fine arts and mm. um, always loved to draw as a kid and um, went to actually uh, UW Milwaukee to study fine arts in their in their graphic design program and uh, you know really really loved it and I was exposed to you know all kinds of history including fashion um, through art and at the same time I was always sewing as a kid I learned how to sew when I was in school uh, in middle school and and loved it I started experimenting with fabrics and patterns and um, really looked at looked at it as more I always looked at look at fashion as being more artistically based um, and really that's how I was introduced to it from paging through the pattern books looking at the fashion illustrations understanding you know I learned about various designers at the same time I was learning about color theory and life drawing and understanding the human form and I and when I started um, at Mount Mary after three years of school at UWM, I transferred mm. to Mount Mary. Um, I'm an alum, of, an alum of the fashion design program. Mm. <clears throat> and all of that background really helped me to become, I think, a, a better fashion designer ultimately because I uh, was aware and, and just always looked at, at clothing as, as a little work of art, um, mm. you know, before the practical aspects. That all came through my, my courses at Mount Mary, learning about the industry and making patterns and, and uh, understanding the customer. Um, and it all came together for me as a result of that, I think, early interest in art and, and doing art myself. And for me, I can say that um, similar to Donna, I always had an interest in fashion, didn't realize that could be a career until I started school as a pre-med major and started um, exploring campus and noticed um, a display about the clothing and textiles design program. And it was like a light bulb went on. You can do that for a major? Mm. That can really be a career? That's a job? Mm. And um, I think a lot of our students have that same sort of response when they learn that, oh, everything's not fashion. We're really making clothes that people wear every single day. So that was really inspiring for me. But um, you know, fast forward, I spent the latter part of my career um, at Kohl's in their corporate design headquarters. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a very different angle of fashion. And if I were to reflect on an event in Milwaukee that I think really made an impression on me, I think about um, shortly after Donna and I both started at Mount Mary, I started getting out more in the fashion community in Milwaukee because when you work in corporate, you're a little chained to your desk and it's a little insular, right? And um, I had the opportunity to go to Elena Velez fashion show that she held at the end of Milwaukee Fashion Week. And I was blown away by the crowd that showed up, the energy in that space, just you would think you were in the middle of New York City or LA, such a cool artsy crowd and the vibe was awesome. And, you know, I'm sitting there going, I can't believe I'm in Milwaukee. And then you hit, it hits you and you say, I'm in Milwaukee and this is happening. And it was just such a cool celebratory fun event and um, the people watching was incredible, which that's my favorite sport. So I was very entertained, um, but I don't know. I thought that event was just really sort of a um, watershed moment that really opened my eyes to what's possible and um, how engaged this community can be with fashion. And um, I mean, they were, they were wound up about it. It was really an exciting place to be. So that's what I want to see more of. You know, in both your stories, you know, Ashley, you, you said like, I can do that for a living or that, Donna, was that for you as well as, or, oh, or, or, were you, or did you, or, or were you, 
or did you grow up maybe in an environment where you were, because I heard you had access to patterning. So there was some of that, I was just sort of wanted to follow up. It was oh. definitely evident to Ashley as a pre-med that I know you could do this. What about, what for you, Donna, was that, was that so? Well, I didn't put the two together until I was at UWM. And I oh, yeah. said, Still what am I doing there. in this graphic design program? Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I can't, I don't think I can make a living as a professional artist. I mean, I was, I'm from Milwaukee. I have those Midwestern values. Yeah. I was the youngest. Uh, I have two older brothers. Um, my parents, you know, supported my, my ambitions. And, but I knew that ultimately I had to make a living. And uh, a friend of mine told me about Mount Mary's fashion program. I didn't even know about it at that point. And because I knew how to sew and I was playing with patterns and doing all, I thought, oh, I get it. I can maybe become a fashion designer. And so that's how I discovered Mount Mary. But it wasn't wow. something that I thought about until I was in, in college. Oh, wow. You know, something our, you know, very deep dive research found is that, you know, the motto of Mount Mary is where creativity meets purpose. And I'm curious uh, from a couple angles, you know, how does, how does that extend to the fashion program? And what, this is a lot of questions in once, but what does it mean to you to be coming back to the program uh, where you got your start? How does that align with your sense of purpose in a way you might not have expected when you first left it as a student? Well, I think that, uh, you know, your, to your, the answer to your first question, creativity uh, meets purpose. Um, you know, fashion is artistic, but it also serves a purpose. You know, we all wear clothes. We all have to get dressed every day. Um, we all want to look our, our best, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and, you know, it's up to the fashion uh, community and the fashion industry to create uh, clothing for people that is desirable um, and that they, they want to wear. And that uh, we always tell students, you know, who are you designing for? What problem are you solving for that person? Who's your competition? Um, fashion is a very, very competitive business. So that, you know, the creative part is very important. Um, there's a lot of research, but ultimately you have to have a great idea and you have to have a customer who wants to buy it. And that's how you succeed. So it's, you know, fashion is, clothing is fashion. It's also functional. Um, and, you know, our program, supports both of those efforts and um, we teach the you know hands-on work of patterning and sewing and um, uh, we teach all about textiles um, but we also develop that you know creativity uh, part of the, the work in students as much as we can I mean not every student will be a, a famous you know fashion designer but we we there's the good thing about the fashion industry is there's other paths that students can take um, if they're not as creative. Um, we also have a merchandise management program which promotes uh, you know, marketing and uh, mm -hmm. buying of clothing um, and the visuals around clothing. Um, so, you know, one thing I was in the, I had my own brand in New York City of dresses for over 30 years and I mm. made thousands and thousands of dresses and your, your mother is probably, you know, know my, know my label, Donna Reed, New York. And, um, uh, she you might she might have something in her closet uh, if she, if she looks back because when I started dresses were very important and um, so uh, I love the idea of a dress it was a you know a one and done kind of thing again a work of art and I wanted to enhance the wearer and make a beautiful dress that um, enhances the wearer and uh, so I was very successful in in you know in dresses for many years but in you know by around the middle of like 2008 after the, re the recession, um, 
my customers were department stores. So my, uh, sadly, my customer wasn't shopping as much because of the, mm -hmm. the mortgage crisis and they were saving their money if they had any money. Um, and so the business really changed. Department stores, um, you know, decided to not be as adventurous and just it, it, the business didn't become fun anymore. Mm -hmm. So I retired from the industry in about 2015 and was approached by Mount Mary, who was looking for a chair at the time. And of course, Ashley is our is our chair. We both uh, came back or I, I came back and she started um, back in 2018. And what, you know, my reason for coming back was I wanted to try to give back uh, some of my life experience, work experience in the, in the fashion industry to students today. Because when I was a student, um, you know, when you talk about Ashley, you know, how many people came to Elena Velez's fashion show and how exciting it was. I mean, imagine having, you know, starting this fashion program in Milwaukee, in the Midwest, um, so what was great about the program when I was a student is they, uh, um, there were uh, design consultants that came in from New York City, and we can, I'll talk more about that uh, later, but, um, you know, I was really inspired by the stories they told, and that's the reason I, um, I, you know, left Milwaukee for New York after I graduated, it was very inspiring, so I'm hoping to do that for students today, and um, along with advocating for the program and, um, you know, getting involved in the community. Um, but, you know, it's this, what's great is it's the same program. It's the same space. It was kind of funny to come back uh, to it, um, but I love it. If I touch on the creativity meets purpose angle, um, that's one of the things I think is so amazing about Elmeria in general is we consider ourselves a creative campus. So it doesn't matter what major you're in, um, creativity applies to what you're doing, but mm. you know, everyone considers fashion design to be a creative career and it is, but um, creativity can mean more than just creating art or creating something. So we focus on things like agility and experimentation mm. and mm. problem solving and um, having an open mind and imagination. And um, I think a lot of the projects that we we do help sort of make that more tangible for students and they do start to see how this does apply to people's real lives. I mean, how much better do you feel when you've got a great outfit on or when you, you know, buy something new that you're in love with? And um, not that all clothing needs to be new as um, we were talking about earlier, but um, I love that like Donna mentioned, there's so many places that you can go with these majors and these degrees, and there are these unexpected career paths that a lot of people don't even recognize exist. But yeah, at the end of the day, you're you're giving people a fundamental need that they have in their life, and um, that makes them feel good and more confident, and um, you know, just in a in a better headspace on a daily basis. That's really important. Um, I think um, clothing actually holds a lot of power that we don't think about a lot. And even the people who try to look like they don't care, that's still a real effort to have a look and to communicate something. So um, clothing does serve a purpose. We all have to wear it. And um, I think that's one of the more interesting things about this industry. Um, I also think it's interesting too, just the creativity meets purpose means you know, this is, this is very real. Clothing and apparel is a very big business and it's not all fluffy stuff and fun and artwork and fashion shows. Um, it's, it's 
a huge, huge business that's very serious and very important to the economy. And there's lots of opportunities out there in that world. You know, uh, as you were speaking, you know, Ashley and Donna, I'm, I'm imagining in my head how like a show like Project Runway in the past 20 years, in some ways, brings some things to people like me, muggles, you know, like me who are, you know, two up three, you know, I watch him kind of like, oh, I like sports, right? I'm like, okay. And then, and then five episodes in, I'm just like, I really don't like that A-line. I don't know, you know, like I, I'm dangerous. You know, like I'm, I'm like, I've got enough to be dangerous, right? So it's, it's almost like, you know stuff, but you really don't know stuff, but at least you feel like you're included and, and part of it. And I think that resonates actually is that even though it's a game construct, it's constantly solving problems. It's constantly collaborating. Mm -hmm. It's constantly thinking about who you're designing for. It's constant feedback and critique and improvement and that, you know, relentlessness of it. And granted, they probably deprive them of sleep <laughs> and, they do, and they do all those things. But I think in some ways it's sort of both glamor, but also the reality of like, this is this is kind of the work in a nutshell, even though it's, it's a heightened point. And I think when I think about that story, Don, it made me realize also that it's it's, it does matter to me in some way, whether I'm aware of it or not, going to a Nordstrom or going to something, it's like, I'm part of this ecosystem. Yep. Like I'm, yep. I'm participating in it. Um, right. Or as I think Donna, you're, you're insinuating, uh, when I get my box from Stitch Fix, I might not think I'm in it, but I'm in it, right? Because somebody's <laughs> thinking, right? And that's, that's another dynamic you're speaking to that, that sort of almost like one step removed, like people got to get clothes, but it's like, now you get the clothes for me, I pay you the money and like, and so that, that I'm sure that impacts how the designer has to think because it's not that oh I'm looking at the rack and and what what pops me it's this other these other pieces and so I know I've become more keen on it um, and and appreciative of just understanding what you're talking about is that this is uh, this is endemic right this notion of creativity isn't you have to be a designer but rather it's it's all these muscles that are taking place in this in this relentless piece and and I'm really interested in talking you know thinking about Milwaukee the Milwaukee story in fashion how do you, how do you describe and Donna you're you're your own part of the Milwaukee story of of that you yourself is a, a lovely chapter and that would love to hear more about how do you think Milwaukee has been either hiding in plain sight or super evident in in our in our either national fashion story or maybe even international fashion story what what well, resonates it, for you you know fashion they're they're was a lot of fashion um, designed and manufactured in Milwaukee and, our, and in our region back in the day. That's one of the reasons our fashion program at Mount Mary exists. Um, at the time, um, our fashion program was started uh, by uh, Sister Eloise, who uh, came to um, Mount Mary in the early 60s and um, you know, our, our Mount Mary is, is uh, a school sisters of Notre Dame University. And so um, she, you know, was appointed to, to teach textiles and clothing construction at Mount Mary back in the early 60s. Um, but at the same time, in the mid 60s, there were uh, some very uh, strong manufacturing companies, design and manufacturers, uh, a couple of them, um, Junior House, JH Collectibles. Florence Eisman, who was a children's wear manufacturer who's still in Milwaukee. Sadly, both uh, Junior House, which became JH Collectibles, um, uh, is no longer, nor is Jack Winter. Um, they both started out making, um, uh, uh, JH Collectibles was making pants um, for, for women. Um, and I think uh, Jack Winter was making uniforms uh, mostly for women and they gradually transformed into doing sportswear and were very important uh, Milwaukee companies. Um, 
And uh, then the, Milwaukee also has a strong uh, um, uh, industrial um, uh, leather and, and ta um, tanning and knitting industry back in the day. Sure. Um, and that's one of the so, smells, right, of Milwaukee, Donna, the tanning, right? right the, the leather right. part, that's one of the smells, right? Yeah. Right. There was a, the tanning companies back, back then were Pfister and Vogel, Thiele leather. Um, I'm not sure if they're still around, but I know I visited them when I was a student. And then the knitting companies uh, were Eagle, Imperial, Everett, Reliable Knitting. I think Reliable might still be um, yeah. around. And um, so, you know, those companies all were looking for people to, to come in as designers, as, as technical people. And so Mount Mary uh, and Sister Eloise was encouraged to start a fashion design program. And so we, uh, Mount Mary had the first four year fashion design program in a liberal arts college mm. um, in the country. And, you know, one thing that, that uh, Sister Eloise, you know, um, always felt was that, you know, you need that liberal arts background to be, become a better designer and be more mm. creative. And she was, she really, you know, had an innate sense of, uh, of design and she was very encouraging. I studied under her. She taught couture sewing oh, wow. um, back in the day, which is, you know, a lot of handwork and very fine fit details and beautiful fabrics. And um, she brought in Charles Kleibacher, who was a designer in New York. He was known as the master of the bias. And he would come in and critique and help us with our fittings. And, and uh, it was, you know, it was really neat connections for her to bring him in. There was also a, a well-known um, fashion illustrator, Stephen Stippelman, who would come in a couple times a year and, and, and draw for us and, and um, lecture in our, in our fashion illustration classes. And so, you know, those people uh, coming in into the program, you know, really helped uh, support our learning and, and the possibilities that we might have. So, you know, the fashion program began and we, and, and the graduates started uh, working in these local companies. Um, but sadly, you know, again, those, those companies are, are no longer, uh, there still are some uh, strong um, partners that we have in our program. Ashley, maybe you can speak to, to who our students are, yeah. are going to now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's quite a few opportunities in this area, both, you know, large nationally known names, but also a lot of local um, endeavors that, you know, it's kind of a path for everyone, like we were saying. So obviously a lot of our graduates go to work at Kohl's at their corporate headquarters. We've got Harley Davidson right here in the city where quite a number of our graduates work. Um, Jockey Internationals down the road in Kenosha. Mm -hmm. Um, reliable Knitting here in Milwaukee also um, is home to several of our, our alums. Um, and then we've got, you know, local independent people like um, Love Lives Here Bridal and Madame Chino and people who are doing more um, smaller scale custom um, client centered sort of work. And there's a place for all of it, which I think is, is what's so wonderful. Um, there's I think one of the opportunities in Milwaukee is just how do we support that manufacturing angle because that's what's moved overseas. That's what we don't see as much of in the mm -hmm. city any longer. And I feel like for a lot of budding designers, that's sort of the missing link in this area is, okay, I've got all these great ideas and all of this great um, sample line, but what do I do now? How do I scale this up and make this available to the world or at least to my, my local regional community? And um, 
you know, I think that's one of the bigger things that we do have to solve for Milwaukee to be um, truly a really vibrant fashion hub is, is helping those young creatives get their lines off the ground and, and um, give them that audience and, and that manufacturing capability. Yeah, I'm curious a little bit more on that last point you're making, Ashley. What is it that's needed that isn't here already that would allow that sort of scaling up and that sort of distribution to happen here? And is it entirely mechanical? It's not the right word for it, but like entirely tactical or, and is there any element of like in other artistic practices that uh, I think we sometimes see in Milwaukee that people reach a place where they go, oh, I can't be successful here or I've, I've reached the top here. Is there a similar uh, like vibe and belief in fashion that maybe drives people away? Uh, how do we, how do we, if so, how do we solve for that? You know, I'm curious your thoughts on, on that. I wish I could give you an easy answer to solve that. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. A lot of our students um, who come to Mount Mary, they are local and they want to stay local. They love this area and they want to work here. And, um, you know, the more we can create those opportunities, I think the better and the more vibrant and the more truly authentic that that network's going to be in this area. But, um, you know, that's a hard question to answer. I feel like a lot of it is, it, it does have to do with creating community. It has to do with mentorship. It's not just having the mechanics, as you mentioned, but also the leadership and the, the skilled people who can help advise and, and keep things moving. Um, you know, we live in a world where everything's available online now, and you could certainly go out and source a collection and have it created overseas and do it all through the internet. But um, I don't know, after being isolated for so long during the pandemic, I think people are really kind of hungry to interact again. And I would love to see more of that sort of creative fusion happening with um, talented designers, talented makers, people who are focused on great production, um, and also just more collaboration between all of the arts in Milwaukee. You know, how do designers interface with artists and with music and with food and, um, you know, ballet and all of these creative ventures that are happening here. Um, it's pretty exciting. Um, I moved here in 2005 and this is such a different city today than, mm. than what it was back then. I think creatively, I feel a lot more just energy and excitement and, and cool, interesting things springing up all over the place. And, you know, seeing all of that, not as competition, but as sort of the sum is, is greater than its parts. And how do we leverage all of that to really, really foster that, that true collaborative, creative sort of um, environment. Um, and I think some of it has to do with, with spaces. It's just how do you give people room to be able to work and not let their their bills offset their their productivity and um, be one more thing to worry about. That's really hard for young upstarts. And um, I think there's opportunity there too, just to create those spaces and create those um, manufacturing sort of liaisons that can really support and help young upstart designers. Well, and it, it's interesting. I mean, that's one of the reasons when I when I graduated, I. I was a very successful graduate. I, I won a national design competition. I knew that I, for what I needed to do back in the early eighties, I couldn't, I couldn't stay in Milwaukee. The reason I went to New York 
although I was a babe in the woods, I didn't, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. I looked at it as an adventure and, you know, ended up uh, working very, very hard. But, you know, I had the support in New York to do what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. And I think to Ashley's point, you know, just to have a place to go where you can find fabrics from, you know, not only uh, the local fabric store, you know, but a, a whole range of things, or maybe you have a pattern making team that can help you make your patterns and do your fittings. Um, because, you know, for every designer who has a great idea, you know, to have to do that all on their own is, is a challenge in, in mm. the Midwest, in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So, you know, when you talk mm. about how do we support that or grow that, I think to have, a, as Ashley mentioned, a, a place where there are, you know, experts who can uh, collaborate and, and support these young, uh, and any designer, anyone with a create, creative idea. Um, mm. Yeah, it's really important too, just to recognize that designers can't cut it on their own. You have to have mm. a team around you. You have to mm-hmm. collaborate. You've got to have expertise in other areas because back to my earlier point, it is a business. And a lot of people who really gravitate into those creative fields don't necessarily know how to handle that side of what they're trying to do. So you've got to have good partnerships and good mentorships and people who are going to help you instead of lead you astray. And um, it's, it's next when possible to do it solo if, if it's something that you're really committed to. And just going back to the history, you know, that's something that used to happen uh, when Mount Mary had a young fashion design program. There, right. there was a group of manufacturers called the Heritage Manufacturing Association. I think there were all of these uh, manufacturers and design companies grouped together and they collaborated and, and supported and, and partnered with, uh, with Sister Eloise in the program um, mm. and really, you know, invited students to come in and tour and, and helped with, you know, design issues. If I, you know, I remember I, I designed my, my senior collection was made in snakeskin untanned snakeskin <laughs> and wow. I had to learn how to sew it and so they sent me over to the tannery Fister and Vogel and I wow. learned you know how to handle it mm-hmm. um, but to to have those to have the if we could you know find who those those people are and, and we have that I guess today with Coles um, and Jockey and 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 others that come in and, and speak to students but um, you know that's that's more on a, a mass level versus right. you know an entrepreneurial uh, designer level so I think there's a hole there that you know it would be great if we could if Milwaukee had a support basis for those individuals that mm. wanted to try something on their own that are willing to work hard that have a great idea to solve a problem for a particular customer yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I mean Donna and Ashley what, what you're speaking to is this notion of like I'm thinking of um you know the entrepreneurship space has like a lot of incubators and, and I think they've started to map out you know wherever you are on the entrepreneurship spectrum Boom, boom, boom. Like you, you, you can go to this person for that or that, that center for that, that, that. And it sounds like if, if fashion had its own version of that, knowing, you know, wherever you are on that scale, you know, you, you would know to go to that pattern maker over there or go to that person who's, who's excellent with those fabrics or even you can get fabrics over there as opposed to what you're saying, Ashley, is like, gosh, if somebody has to do that on their own, there's so many paths to just lose momentum and, and, and get stifled. And I got to pay bills on my other jobs or blah, 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 blah. Right. So that's Absolutely. what I'm hearing. And, and I'm also hearing you say, Donna, you know, it's, it shouldn't be left necessary for Jockey and Coles to figure that out. Cause that's not going to be for everybody's uh, thing. You know, there's gotta be some other 
convening force or something that that brings to, together that 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 did exist maybe a generation ago a little mm -hmm. bit more evident but down it's you're speaking to the change in demographics and the change in the way of doing business some of those shops are overseas now right it, it's less right. It's less geographically co-located and rubbing shoulders and all that so that that makes it even more difficult am i am i tracking you know tracking. And like you like you said ashley it's like it's not one thing you can blame it's it's yeah it's it's tough by a thousand cuts in a, in a different way um and all these things and so what what would it and you but you you outline some possible paths to, to at least start start weaving oh man i didn't even mean to do that you know um, you know putting <laughs> putting together something that then again what i'm also hearing you say is like it'd be great to go to mount mary because it's incredibly well designed and well structured for people, but gosh, what would an ecosystem look like? Because not everybody can have a place in Mount Mary. There's only so many seats and accessibility. But like, what about others who want to go through this too, right? Because that would, the hope is that a rising tide would would lift the the collective Milwaukee built when it comes to its mm. imprint on fashion and, and sort of signature on that. Speaking of signatures on fashion, y'all are going to have an event really soon, right? And that's that's you know like we're talking at this macro level and, and moving these massive levers. But what we can do in the near term is to create and convene spaces for uh, Milwaukee's talent to show out. Uh, and so tell us about the one that's coming up that, that y'all are really excited about. Do you like how it got into the plugs bit? Really, that's like, that's for my folks. That was smooth. That was, smooth. That was a weave. That was a weave into that plug bit. Tell me about this awesome thing. You knitted that right together. <laughs> that's what I do. That's what I do. I'm a sonic weaver, Ashley. That's what I do. That's a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> Yes, we are thrilled to be presenting our fashion show on Saturday, May 14th. Um, we've obviously, like the rest of the world, been away from live and in-person mm. events for the last two years. So we are so excited to be getting back um, together on campus and inviting the public back to, to see what our students are up to. So yes, we're presenting our show. Um, there's going to be a three o'clock in the afternoon show that Saturday, and then also a 7 p.m. show, which is followed by a senior showcase that we invite all the attendees to, to stop by. Um, the show's going to be very unique and different this year. We're actually holding it inside of Notre Dame Hall, which is our historic central bell tower building on campus, and we're going back kind of old school. Um, Donna didn't really talk about um, Eileen Ryan, who was one of our um, founding mothers in our program, but she was a great friend of Sister Eloise and she was the women's editor for the Milwaukee Journal. And so she spent a lot of time going to New York to salon style fashion shows. She actually initiated, um, she was the first editor to bring a photographer with her to the shows, um, weaseled her way in with that and turned that into a great leverage opportunity for newspapers across the country to buy their photographs in order to feature fashion from the runways. It's very wow. clever. But <laughs> we're thinking about those salon shows and they were really cool because back in the day they were held in a designer's salon or studio or atelier and they were really the audience for retail buyers. The buyers were the ones who came to the shows and had the front row seats and had to see everything up close and personal so that they could decide that's what I wanna place orders for and put in my, my store. So we are going to be doing our fashion show on two hallways in Notre Dame Hall. They're gonna be lined on both sides with chairs. Everybody gets a front row seat up close and personal. It's not a big cavernous theater sort of um, experience this year. And um, yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. We're calling the show Prismatic Parallel. And um, we have a whole class that's devoted to planning and developing the whole theme and the production of the show. So. They named it that because they're very into this idea of prisms and 
you know, all of these things come in through one direction, but then they fragment out and show all their colors and everybody's edges matter and all of the wonderful things that, that come out of that um, sort of generic white light that goes into a prism. Mm -hmm. And then we're calling a parallel because we are actually going to be having a fashion show on two floors at one time. Whoa. So this is going to be an interesting hearing, <laughs> but we have we have a plan, um, so it's going to be pretty cool. The um, one floor will see um, half of the show, while the other floor is seeing the other half of the show. Then we have an intermission, and the models flip, and you get the other half. So it'll be um, a different experience on each floor, but everyone wow. sees the same show at the end of the day. But um, yeah, really excited about this. And um, we had our fashion show jury last night where students present their work and tell the stories behind their work and some industry professionals sit on that panel to um, gauge which work goes into the show. They also determine awards. So that's a really exciting evening. And um, for me, that's one of my favorite parts because you get to hear the stories behind the work. When you see the creative work come down the runway, it's, it's, it's fun to see, but when you really know what went into that thought process and the inspiration and where the students coming from with what they're expressing, it's it's really cool. So mm -hmm. um, it is a student show. It represents tons of potential, and I love um, seeing the fruits of what they've got noodling around in their heads all year long that they get to express at this point. <laughs> That's so great. I, I love hearing about the complexity of that. And that really illuminates all the different skill sets that are needed. In fact, <laughs> like some student is really excited to be the one like running around with the clipboard and like, that's their strength. Oh, you're uh, exactly but... right. <laughs> and they love wearing mics. <laughs> <laughs> <They're laughs> um, no, it's true. There's so many, I mean, just like the business, it's not just about making clothes. Someone has to figure out what's the order that the models are gonna present in and look the best. How do you time it exactly right? How do you select music that works? How do you select lighting that works? How do you build a theme? And then all of your marketing materials have to work around it. It's an awesome hands-on experiential um, learning moment for all the students who are in that class, um, as well as the designers who are in the show, because it's one of the times they truly have to collaborate just like you would in industry and pull something off together that showcases what each of them are capable of doing so and and it's a great opportunity it's it really showcases our seniors um who are able to create a collection just whatever they want i mean all the all our program you know the four years of our program they're always designing but they're often designing to um to for a um a project where um you know it, mm -hmm. it might be um Ashley, you can speak to some of the, the, the projects that, that students have, have worked for, but as a senior, they get to just create something, whatever they want. And that's why hearing them tell their story, how they came up with it, what were their challenges, what were their successes? Um, and, you know, ultimately, yes, it's, it is student work. We encourage them to be creative and to think out of the box, but um, it's probably, you know, one of their last chances to do that before they either enter the mass market unless they become an entrepreneur and they can continue to do that. But as you said earlier, um, you know, you have to do it over and over and over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 wow. And, and this is open to the public, can come and, and check yes. it out. That's so great, that's so awesome. Well, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll link to more info about it in the show description so people yeah. can put it on their calendar. Um, and before we before we let you go, we always close our interviews with a kind of zooming out a bit again. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, 
So if you had the power to be in charge of arts and culture and creativity for Milwaukee for just a couple minutes, what change would you in, in, enact? Would it, it could be policy related, could be could be conceptual, but you know you have you have to work quick. You just have a couple minutes each. But uh, what would you do during during your reign of of power? Hmm. Well, I, I I think I mean I'm a big believer in collaboration, and Ashley spoke to this a little bit earlier as to you know how could we create this community of artists and and creatives and in our case, fashion designers, the fashion, you know, and people who support fashion, um, how could we support a space, a place, um, a movement to get those people to, to work together um, and, and, you know, be a strong influence in Milwaukee so we can, you know, maybe build that manufacturing idea back up in, in Milwaukee. I mean, there's a trend of, you know, things more craft, things being made, um, you know, the customer is more demanding to know more about where is that product made? Mm -hmm. How much did it cost? Um, and I think people are willing to spend more these days for a product that they can understand, you know, how it was made and, and, and the quality it, it was. In. And those products are coming ideally from right here at home in, in the US versus imports, um, which have many challenges these days, um, mm -hmm. not only cost, but timing and delivery. So to do something local, I think, you know, and, and to grow it in a way with the smart people involved, I think could be really cool. Um, I have to echo and sort of riff off what Donna was saying, because when we have our dreamy conversations, we talk about what we would <laughs> love to see. And, you know, we've been really inspired by some of these spaces. I think the pandemic caught up with a couple of them, unfortunately, but um, there were these co-op spaces we were learning about in New York City where you know, different artists can work in a space, they share time in a retail space that's connected to that so that they all kind of work in this ecosystem of, of keeping the business running. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's open studios, there's there's space, there's glass walls, the public can see what's actually happening inside. Um, that's one of the things I think has, has been really amazing with our program is as we've opened things up um, to create new opportunities for um, sponsors for our fashion show to learn more about what our students do. They see more of that behind the scenes piece and people are blown away when they realize the process and the work and the, the precision that has to go into creating these collections. And um, I don't know, could we make manufacturing entertainment? Can we find <laughs> it somehow and get people into a cool creative space where um, you know, they're just engaged by what they're seeing, they're learning about it. And then um, they walk away with a product that's that's made right there that um, has a story behind it and some Milwaukee history and kind of is the new wave of what started way back in the day when this was a fur trading post and look where, <laughs> where we could end up. You know, it's when I hear both your your uh, policy edicts. Uh, you know, uh, I'm struck by uh, it. Really speaks to the moment down here. Speaking, you sort of noted uh, there's something about creating something local, especially as we're dealing with supply chain issues. That, that's I think a 20. We're gonna put that in the 2022 time capsule. Supply <laughs> chain issues, where mm -hmm. which you know globalization, you know, has certain things, and and part of the shadow part of it is like you can get stuck. And so what does it mean to have uh, immediacy, connectivity to how something's created from idea to manifestation? And so what would it mean for Milwaukee to have its own path 
clear path for that. And 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 that and you're both both of you are speaking to the that that could be really powerful, not just for uh, the city, but also for the residents in it to see how how it's created and have a sense of connection and a sense of identity that that is Milwaukee. Which which again, I think actually you're speaking to, and I'm sure Donna and your your travails, your gallivanting to the East Coast and back here. You're noticing that Milwaukee is really crafting its own unique story now, right? It's really, it's really speaking up in a, in a way and creating something that's Midwestern, but not Chicago, right? Not St. Louis, it, or not Minnesota. It, there's something unique about this location and and the confluence of people that have decided to be here. And so we're so excited that your your leadership is is guiding what it what we all wear and look like and, and shaping the next generation. And we're we're looking forward to share. Let's let's keep up with this conversation and. And uh, look forward to learning more. I'm looking forward to checking out that fashion show and, and, and all that. Um, so thanks for being mm -hmm. with us today. Well, thank you. This was a thank great you. opportunity for us. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, and before I plug, you know, I'm sure our, our listeners are like, well, I want to learn more or to catch up. Ashley and Donna, where can they find you when not on the confines of this, this audio podcast? Where can they find you online or, or physically? Where can they find you? Well, they can definitely check out um, the university's website. That's Mount Mary, M-T-M-A-R-Y.edu. And if you front slash Creo, C-R-E-O, that will lead you to information about our fashion show and ticket sales. Um, we're also on Instagram at Mount Mary Fashion. So we put a lot of the behind the scenes imagery that we get excited about and let you know what students are doing behind the scenes. Um, and then I also want to mention as part of Creo, that's really our School of Arts and Design's whole celebration at the end of the year. So not only do we have the fashion show, but um, the other departments in the School of Arts and Design have their senior displays up on campus at the same time. So it's a great one-stop shop to get exposed to the creative collaborative energy on Mount Mary's campus and see what interior architecture and design students are doing, studio artists are doing, graphic designers are doing, mm. lots of fun things going on. Donna, how about you? Well, you can find me, just put in Donna Rico and you'll find all kinds of good information <laughs> online um, about my you know, you know you're You know you're a baller, Donna's like, just put me in Google. Yeah, I'm gonna just be the put me in. I love it, that's <laughs> a flex. Put me in, you'll find me. But that's I'm also, a flex. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, interesting stories I could go on and on and on. But I'll, <laughs> I know we're that, out that'll of time. be a spinoff pod, Donna, with the Donna Rica <laughs> files. So you, you dish on the crazy 90s, the 80s. <laughs> oh, you yeah. Some Michael Kors stories or what? Yeah. Although yeah. <laughs> oh, no, designers are notoriously, you know, they don't usually mingle too much right. um, in New York, at least. <laughs> um, okay. Because, you know, but I, I think uh, there's hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a teaser. Thanks so much, Donna. Thanks, Ashley, for being on the pod. Thank you. Thanks. The one thing I was going to ask Lindsay was, mm -hmm. but I didn't, was, was Sister Eloise like Tim Gunn? Or was Sister Eloise like Christian Siriano? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think yeah. that was going to be appropriate. I, I mean, it seems, you know, I don't know. I didn't want to be like. I was just sort of you curious. Mean, was she was she like encouraging or a little or a little a little snippy, a little terrifying? But both knowledgeable, both knowledgeable, both both incredibly knowledgeable. But there's their ways of going, their paths are. I gotta think. I'm imagining she, she was benevolent Tim Gunn type. That's my. Yeah, I'd love to learn more about her. We uh, Sister Eloise. That'll be the next. That'll be our our deep Google dive someday. Sister Eloise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's so lovely to have them on and and. Uh, 
And, and again, as I was reflecting, I was struck by there's the parallels of, of like what it takes to make an ecosystem. And, and I think that really spoke to when that manufacturing part really transitioned into something else, it, it didn't seem like they were, um, the collective was able to figure out uh, a way to accommodate for that. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of, but there, but it sounds like there's an eagerness to figure that out. What, what is it? Cause I do think I get what they're saying. Like that's, that's where you're kind of leading people to. So if that's not figured out or solid, you know, right. it's tough to tough to have the rest of the right. ecosystem aligned. And I think what they were describing makes perfect sense and has a home in Milwaukee. Like when I think about Ashley's vision of like, how do you make production entertainment? Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's already a lot of activity like that when it comes to more like uh, different sorts of materials, right? Uh, like mm -hmm. how do you have a maker space that uh, somehow is, is like goes over that like public private line like yes sometimes you're it's just makers in there making their craft but then when you open that space up to others it kind of demystifies the process and makes and uh and and makes the the link to like local production and sense of local pride clear and i don't know that i we don't know that that exists yet in Milwaukee, but i think what ashley describes feels really right with with what people are already up to and feels possible you know yeah, it's almost like it's hiding in plain sight. And so if it was less hidden, people, yeah. everyone would sort of be like, ooh, you know, like I think you use the word demystified, which I, I think I know what you're talking about. But I also think um, it takes away the mystery, but at the same time, it adds more pride or adds a sense exactly. of stronger affinity and connection yeah. because it's less of a mystery. Right. Um, and right. so, yeah, I think there's something to that, you know, mm -hmm. like Milwaukee made will matter, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in, in that. So look forward to seeing how that unfolds. Um, do you know what I'm looking forward to connecting with? Who, Mac? Our listeners. Thanks for listening, everybody, again, to another episode. If you enjoyed it, if you'd like to help support the pod, share it out with others. I know you are because the numbers are ticking back up again. You know, that's mm -hmm. how it happens, Lindsay, when we end our season. Like, that, the last parts of the season tend to be higher, and then we end it, and then everybody goes away. And so we spend the next season. Hey, they're back. they're back. They're back. So they're keep back. it going. Yep. Keep it going, y'all. Um, Leave a rating review if you're listening on Apple uh, or contact us directly at pod at imaginemke.org for your feedback, cries, uh, and, and shock, shocks out, uh, shocking outrage. Threats of shocking outrage are welcome there as well. Sure. So imagine this podcast is a team effort produced, edited, and hosted by MacArthur Antigua, David Lee, Lindsay Sheridan, and Elizabeth Gasparka. Hey! Uh, the podcast theme was written and performed by Bobby Drake. Thanks, Bobby. Make sure you also listen to back episodes of Black Imagination Arts Forward MKE, all of which can be found at imaginemke.org backslash podcasts. To catch all the latest from Imagine MKE, you can head us at Twitter and Instagram at imagine underscore MKE or at Facebook, which is just plain old Imagine MKE. Or you can go to imaginemke.org and sign up for the Amplifier, a bi-weekly email update that goes into your eyeballs straight from the pens of David Lee, parentheses, the marketing team. That's right. Thanks again. And we'll catch you next Tuesday. Till then. Bye. What's in your smoothie? Going beets. We got cherry beets. blend. Beets, wow. baby. Beets. Wow. I swear by them. I got to mix it up. I've just and been banana. doing. Uh, banana. Yeah. Banana, blueberry, spinach. Ready for another fun one? You ready for another good one? Butter. Yeah. Put in 200 grams of kale. 75 grams of pineapple, 75 grams of banana. That's a jam. Mm -hmm. And then and then some coconut water. Put it that together. It's pretty good. It's good. It's smooth. I don't like, like pineapple the, on its oh, own. Okay. 
but like but if in it's a tempered, smoothie, I think it's, it's tempered. Okay. Yeah. Tempered with the kale, like they yeah. kind of balance each other out in real life. I also so. I have to figure out a recipe. Before I left on my trip, like last month, I had a cucumber that I hadn't used. So I'm like, I'm just oh. gonna freeze it, and I'll figure out a oh. smoothie that makes sense with cucumber <laughs> later. No, did you find one yet? No, I'm. Uh, there, there are recipes. I just have it's to probably very neutral. Recipe. I imagine cucumbers is very neutral, right? It's very crisp yeah. and neutral. Yeah, so it's not probably actually be good with like pineapple and kale and yeah. Or you put a little mint in there, a little, a little yeah. sparky spark. All right, 